0: the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth. Go to ShipStation.com and use code Kara to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code Kara. Use code Kara for a free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code Kara.
1: And I think women very often feel you know, at 30, they're over the hill or at 40, they're washed up or, oh my God, I'm 50, my life is over. And I could really say that I feel like I'm in the best place I've ever been. And I think that I want young women to know that, that you can be vital and alive in your 50s, your 60s, your 70s and beyond. You got to pick yourself up,
0: I believe that at its core, leadership is about constantly learning from the people around you. And I'm so inspired by the conversations we're having in our upcoming episodes and can't wait to share them with you. This season, some of my guests include Andrew Dudham, founder of Hymns, Erica Nardini, CEO of Barstool Sports, Daniel Dubois and Whitney Tingle, co-founders of Sakara Life, and much, much more. Plus, we ask the million-dollar question, What does it really take to be unstoppable? Let's find out. Hi, everybody. It's Kara Golden from Unstoppable, and I'm so excited to have Maria Schreiber here today. Hi, Maria. How are you? I'm great. How are you, my friend? Good, good. So for those of you who aren't, familiar with all that Maria's been doing. I mean, she was the first lady of California and has done many things. She's a NBC today journalist as well as executive producer of the Alzheimer's project, which we're going to talk a little bit more about that today and actually the founder of the women's Alzheimer's movement, which we're really going to talk about today. She also hosts a weekly podcast called meaningful conversations, which if you have not tuned into that, definitely have a listen and, Her book, I've Been Thinking, the journal, was a number one New York Times bestseller. Incredible, incredible. She's also a mother of four children, so we uh, definitely have chatted about that as also a mother of four kids, too. So welcome, Maria. Very excited to have you here. Thank you.
1: So, uh, and where are you at today? I'm in New York. I'm here uh, doing the nine o'clock hour. I've been substituting a lot because it seems like everybody at NBC is either pregnant you know on maternity leave on some kind of a leave so i'm a a pitch hitter coming in which is actually turned out to be a lot of fun so i'm here in new york and um uh, working on the today show we just finished doing a big series on women's health which i saw that great, which i was really happy about to take a look at the state of women's health how women feel about their comprehensive health, their financial health, their cognitive health, their physical health, their spiritual, emotional, mental health. And uh, it was really interesting um, how where women felt in control, where they felt out of control, and just trying to turn the lens on women's health and when women feel like they are coming into their own, where they feel like they're powerless. And so I'm hoping to do more Uh, pieces like that. We've also done a big series there on disruptors, women who are changing the health landscape with companies like you, different health companies where particularly young women have come in and said, you know, I don't, this isn't working for me and I want to change it. So I'm trying to use the platform uh, for good and to highlight some of the, I think, groundbreaking work that's going on. That's amazing. I feel like I've been watching you for years and I just
0: feel like now you've just really come into, you know, you can clearly see your passion and in terms of what you get to focus on, which must be so fun for you. I mean, not just on the segments, but also on lots of other stuff.
1: Yeah. I think it's super interesting. You know, we had this doctor on the other day, Kara, and she was saying that women, uh, unbeknownst to women, that women really find their footing in their 40s, in their late 30s, their 40s, and I would say really and beyond. And I think that that's kind of a well-kept secret for women. I think women very often feel you know, at 30, they're over the hill or at 40, they're washed up or, oh my God, I'm 50, my life is over. And I could really say that I feel like I'm in the best place I've ever been. Um, And I think that I want young women to know that, that you can be vital and alive in your 50s, your 60s, your 70s and beyond. You can be doing things that interest you. And that life really is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And that if you look at your life in decades, you know how sometimes they do in fashion magazines, wear this in your 20s, wear this in your 30s and 40s. I think it's a really good thing to look at the decades of your life and at certain decades, you're involved with young children or you might be climbing in a career and then you might be caring for aging parents. You might have health challenges and then maybe your kids grow up and you all of a sudden you have an empty nest. And instead of like using that, it used to be like, oh, my God, women were crashing if they had an empty nest. But using that as a time to step into a new Era in your life and discover new things that you might be interested in and that certainly has been the case for me I'm very different than I was in my 20s my 30s my 40s even my 50s and I I want women in those decades to know that there is life after each of these decades and it can be better and Bolder and more interesting than ever before
0: Backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just fifty cents per week for your first year. Yeah, absolutely. But it's also a mindset. I I think I mentioned this to you. I've my book is coming out in October, and it's really it it starts off at talking about how you know the the people that I run into that actually think that they can't do something are the ones that probably can't do it right? It's like at at any age, right? And so first you have to fix that. You have to believe in yourself. You have to believe in your, you know, vision. You have to, you know, believe it's okay to go try. And I think like, that's what I see in you too, that you're, that age is kind of just, that's a subset of what the bigger thing that you've been able to do. I mean, you don't get caught up in I mean, even the fact that you were First Lady of California, it's a very important piece of your of your journey, but it's also you've done so many other things, and now you're doing you know you continue to do more and more and more uh so anyway i I really think you're you're a shining example of that, and I don't sit there and say you know that you are you know who you are today just because you have years and years of experience. I really do believe too that you believe in yourself. And you surround yourself with people that believe in you, too.
1: Yeah, I do. And I don't think that's, um, you know, uh, an easy thing, right? I mean, I think that you said that people who don't believe in themselves can't do it. And I think part of the job uh, for someone my age is to pay that backwards. And when you see a woman who might be struggling to believe in herself is to, you know, talk to her, to encourage her forward, to... um, help her see herself in a way perhaps that she doesn't see herself. And I, w- I can honestly say that people have done that for me. When I, I was kind of down or lost sight of myself, people reminded me of who I was. And what was within me and they helped me regain my footing because the truth is I don't care who you are You will lose your footing along the way and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I might say Uh, Because you you learn a lot when you lose your footing You learn a lot when you're down and you learn a lot about who's there to kind of lift you up and I think that there's never been a better time uh, to be a woman because there's so much in the dialogue that wasn't there when I was a young woman about believing in yourself, about being able to do whatever you want. That wasn't the case when I was starting out. But I think we all need a helping hand depending on where we find ourselves, you know? And I think it's really important to help people who perhaps don't think they can to see themselves as capable of doing so. And I think That's a big part of where I find my mission is to educate and to share my journey, but also to remind women at different um, junctures of their lives uh, who they are and what they're capable of. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm also so when I'm out speaking,
0: I'm, I'm constantly talking about you know you mentioned the word mission, but I'm also talking about finding your purpose, and and I think you know you've. You've done that throughout the years, but more specifically, you founded the Women's Alzheimer's Movement. Can you talk a little
1: bit about that and what inspired you to take on this cause? And I think the interesting thing is that you and I probably would never have met had we not had this shared passion about Alzheimer's. 100%. So I tell people all the time, get involved in something because you never know who you're going to meet along the way. So I'm working at NBC. I wouldn't have met you, or I might not have met you, but I met you because we had a shared Interest in that disease. We're both children of that disease. Um, My dad was diagnosed in 2003. You're also a child of Alzheimer's. And I started asking questions about what is this disease? How does it manifest? Why do we know so little? How can we know more? Uh, And I started to see that more and more women seemed to be impacted. And when I went to researchers and doctors and asked them, was that so? They told me no. It wasn't and they said it would only seem to me that way because women lived longer And I thought, you know, I don't actually believe that. And so I went about for two years uh, I researched Whether in fact they were right or I was right and turned out that in fact We were right. And so we issued the Shriver report a report to the nation I partnered with the Alzheimer's Association and we reported for the very first time that Alzheimer's disproportionately impacted women two-thirds of all those Uh, who get this disease are women, and nobody really knows why that is. And so I started asking, well, then now that we know that, what do we know about women's health? And we got a lot of like, we don't know, because we have a knowledge gap when it comes to women's health. We haven't researched women. We don't know a lot about how women age, uh, what to tell them, what we can do for them. So the women's Alzheimer's movement was founded to fund research into women's brains, into their bodies, into trying to understand uh, what happens to women as they become perimenopausal, menopausal, postmenopausal. What are the roles of hormones? What happens to women's brains when they uh, become pregnant, when they go through menstruation. And what we've discovered and that women know all too well is that it's not just their bodies that are changing when they go through puberty, when they go and have a child or when they're perimenopausal, menopausal and beyond. It's their brains that are changing as well. And so we fund research into that and to try to get, to close that knowledge gap so that when women go to the doctor, the doctor has more knowledge than they have at this present moment in time. And my goal ultimately is to, um, you know, fund a cure for Alzheimer's. Many of the grants that we give out are seed grants that enable these researchers to go on and get really large grants from NIH and to look at things other than plaques and tangles. You know, so much of the research in Alzheimer's before was all done on people who already had Alzheimer's or who were you know quite a bit older and and they were it was always looking at plaques and tangles and tau now we're looking in a whole uh different area as well we're looking at hormones we're looking at breast cancer we're looking at aging we're lo- getting younger and younger people into trials we're getting more women into trials so that we can accumulate data and share that across disciplines and so that maybe when women go to the doctor they will be able to get more answers than I could get when I went to the doctor.
0: Absolutely. So
1: somebody was mentioning this to
0: me the other day that if, if you have two genes for Alzheimer's, you're
1: kind of screwed. Um, Oh, that's not true. That's not true. And so what have you learned? Oh, I've learned that as every doctor has said to me, genes are not your destiny and the big misconception about, Kind of alzheimer's is that if it doesn't run in my family, I don't have to worry about it And if it does run in my family and I have two genes then i'm screwed as you say And so I think that makes you perhaps, you know increases your risk But it doesn't it's not a foregone conclusion just like it's not a foregone conclusion that if it doesn't run in your family You're you're free and easy I think what we do know now is that lifestyle does impact your brain health what we do know now is that Alzheimer's is 20 years in your brain before you're symptomatic. What we do know now is that stress impacts the brain, sleep impacts the brain, food impacts the brain, exercise impacts the brain, a loss of hormones impacts the brain, and the list goes on. So there are things that you can do today that will give you control, not just over your heart health or your physical health, but your mind-brain health. Um, and that you can do, will this 100% prevent you from getting Alzheimer's? No. Will this help you perhaps delay it, maybe prevent it? It's our best bet to date. We're doing, you know, there's a big finger study underway here, you know, to look at the effects of lifestyle on the brain. But what we do know is that lifestyle, how you live, how you work, whether you, what are your other health challenges does you know affect your brain so part of what i'm trying to do is to get women in particular to think as much about their brain as they do their lips their eyes and their thighs it's something you can't see but it's something that's your greatest asset so how can you nurture it how can you care for it who is uh talking to it how are you talking to it how are you feeding it Uh, are you rushing blood to it and once again let's remember that alzheimers is just one kind of dementia so there are multiple forms of dementia and certainly as you age you become more vulnerable to different forms of dementia but you know it's a little bit of a race against time but the the goal here is to live as best you can in your brain and your body for as long as you can so knowing what you know today what
0: would you ask your, your doctor, to what kind of tests would you ask today well, to try and figure depend, out? Well, it
1: really how old uh, I was. So if I were a woman in my 40s, I would start talking to my doctor about hormones. I would start talking to my doctor about perimenopause. I would begin to understand the symptoms of being perimenopausal. Um, I would get my family history about whether there's cancer in my family history. Because what we do now... Know now about estrogen and hormones is like, you know, when you start estrogen, there's a window. And I would get with my doctor and try to find out am I in that window? And can I start hormones? And what kind of hormones would be good for me? You know, I've just written a foreword to a new book that comes out uh, actually tomorrow. It's called The XX Brain, written by Dr. Lisa Moscone, who, uh, the women's Alzheimer's movement. Yeah. And she's doing. Uh, a big trial, but I've written a foreword to that book because it's kind of a manual for women to learn what they need to know so that they can get in the know. I'm all about trying to get women in the know. If I were a woman today and I was pregnant, I would start to be thinking about not just the effect of my pregnancy on my body, but my brain. I would be really talking to my doctor about my cognitive health not only during my pregnancy, but after my pregnancy, because it's not just your body that's changing, it's your brain as well. If I'm a woman in my 50s and both of my parents are alive, I would really know the kind of early signs of Alzheimer's. And I would pay attention to how they are doing, how they are talking. I would pay attention to their cognitive health. I would also pay attention to whether I'm in menopause and then I'm postmenopausal. So I would also ask my doctor about a cognitive test. I would also ask my doctor to get my A1C numbers. I would try to find out, you know, am I pre-diabetic? I would know my cholesterol. I would ask about the effects of a hysterectomy and dementia. And I guess most importantly, I would also read Dr. Lisa Moscone's book. I'm very excited to pick that
0: up, for sure. Yeah. Very, very excited about it. And I think
1: also it's very important for women in the African-American community and the Latino community who are more susceptible to Alzheimer's to connect the dots between hypertension, between diabetes, and really for women to know their individual numbers because, for example, what works for you doesn't necessarily work for me. And the diet you may be on might not be the right diet for me. And the amount of time you sleep might not be the right amount of time for me, and so on. And so how you process stress is different from perhaps how I process stress. But I think it's to know who you are, know your body, trust your body, trust your mind, trust your gut, And when you go to the doctor, because perhaps you might not have a lot of time at the doctor, I would go with the questions uh, you should be asking your doctor written down. So you go in uh, informed because then the doctor, I think, pays more attention. They go like, okay, this person's awake. They know what they're talking about. I'm not going to slide by in here. They're informed. And at the Women's Alzheimer's Movement, we have a list of questions you should ask your doctor. So go on to the women's Alzheimer's movement, and then you can
0: actually get that list. That's really, really, that's, that's huge. I love it. I love it. So, uh, so what makes you unstoppable? I mean, I'm just listening to everything that you're talking about here. And, you know, I always, you know, think about you, Maria, as yeah. this is, this is all, you know, you're doing stuff that, that is so in my mind above and beyond and and i'm so thankful to know that you. you're actually focused on this and that you're just knocking down walls and and making it happen and and doing all the other stuff that you're that you're doing including being a parent but what makes you unstoppable and what have you learned through the years just by you know just life like what, what's a life lesson that we could uh,
1: well i've learned so much as i said about life I've learned, uh, I guess, most important, that I'm far stronger than I ever realized, that everything I was searching for outside of me actually existed within me. And I think that's 100% of the people, that's the case, that everything they need is right inside of them. I um, I have this kind of insatiable curiosity that I'm fascinated with um, people's journeys. I'm always interested in what people are doing. I always want to learn more. So my kids are always like, Oh my God, would you stop already? I said, stop and do what? What do you want me to stop and do? And then they're like, Oh, that's a good point. I I said, you know, I'm trying to change the future so that when you go to the doctor, when you're my age, you'll get really good answers. I'm trying to You know, your experience when you want to go have a child, when you want to be, when you're perimenopausal, I want to change how that experience is for you. And I come from two people who really, in my mind, changed the world uh, for the people they worked on behalf of. And I think really in many ways, that's why we're here, right? We're here to live what I call meaningful lives, which is another way of saying purposeful lives, but to find what brings you meaning. Find an issue that speaks to you and to lift another person up. So I get tremendous, you know, people say to me all the time, Oh my God, the Alzheimer's thing is so depressing. And I go, No, I don't think so. I think, you know, it's exciting to push people, it's exciting to look in areas that people haven't looked at. And so I get something out of that. I get something completely different out of my reporting. I get something completely different out of writing my Sunday paper newsletter. And so I, I like to, and I, you know, kind of like with my children, it kind of combines all of it, right? It's kind of all about life. And so I think we all have different interests and they don't stop just because you become 40, 50, 60, 70. In fact, they have a certain urgency to them. I have an urgency to me today that I didn't have when I was 50. And um, I think that's okay. I'm in a hurry. And um but I don't, but in a way I'm slower in my day, if that makes any sense. I have an urgency, but I'm calmer than I've ever been.
0: Well, I've, I've met your kids too, along the way. And I will say that you've also taught them to be all, uh, you know, all of the great that you've been doing and your learnings. You can see it in in them as well, you know, following a life of passion and purpose. And
1: they bring me so much joy. I'm, Constantly uh, inspired by them. I learned from them. I, one of the things my parents did that I have copied, I must say, is they had a lot of young friends. And they became friends with my brother's friends and my friends. And it kept them young mentally. And so I'm friends with my kids' friends. I hear what they're doing. I hear about the companies they're starting. I hear about the relationship apps that they're on. And it keeps me alive and awake and in the know in a way that I wouldn't be if I were only hanging out with people my age it's kind of funny um and I think because I'm single so they take me where they go with them so I'm oftentimes you know the, by far I'm the person that's the way oldest in the room but I'm having fun learning from the young people in the room yeah well I think that that is a that's
0: such a key thing, but they want you around though, too. I mean, that's the thing that is, that is, you know, so great to see. I think it's, you have really, you know, you, they help you, but you, you're yeah. also helping them and you're, yeah, you're authentic and honest and, and sort of what you've done right. And what you've done wrong, which is, you know, I think yeah, that so that's, I'd have a sufficient in both categories. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no, me,
1: right me too.
0: Yeah no and me, me too. I mean I'm I'm constantly talking about that my you know I I hope my kids I I end up having I think the same relationship that that uh you've described with with your kids I have with my kids and it's it's uh you know I always say that some of the stuff that they talk to me about horrifies me I have to be honest and but I also you know feel like I have a good grasp of kind of what's going on in the world and and uh you know hoping to sort of teach them what I've learned you know about everything we're
1: we're here to be teachers and students all of us right and my hope is that my kids do way better in life, kind of, so to speak, with what they know than their dad and I did, you know, that they're more evolved, that they're maybe, you know, they're different kinds of people, but the goal is that they learn from both of us. Uh, They take whatever they want from both of us and they become their own 2.0 and then their kids and so on and so on. So it's not like, you know, as I always say, you know, this is what your dad is interested in. This is what I'm interested in. You don't have to do what we're doing, but find your own way. And this is what we both know. This is what we can pass on. This is maybe what we did well. This is where we didn't do as well. And your goal is to take the lesson from it all and do your thing and then have that conversation with your kids.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think that's I think that's terrific. So Maria, where can we find you? Outside of Twitter. And I where love watching all me? of your tweets. Yeah. You find so on where
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. So on social media. Mostly is Twitter what's your favorite platform? I think uh well, it's different. I find myself kind of, I do a lot on Twitter kind of when it's There's a lot of stuff going on in politics. I'm on Instagram a lot. I'm on Facebook a lot. Uh, The Sunday paper is on Instagram, so I find myself, you know, feeding in different parts of my personality on all those venues. It's a little bit more journalistic on Twitter. Um, I think it's more inspirational on Instagram, and it's a little bit of both on Facebook. So I know people. Some people say like, oh, well, you're you're still on that, or you're here, you're there, you're not on TikTok. I don't know, but that's about as much as I can make. Manage right now
0: yeah well i i love following NBC, our,
1: by the way <laughs>
0: yeah and I'm NBC. NBC. I, I love following you on twitter so it's, it's always yeah no it, it's uh it's terrific so well terrific thank you, thank so, much. you so much thank and, you yeah. have a great day thanks so much okay great bye like what you heard, please help spread the word and leave us a review. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to spotlight? Please talk to me at Kara Golden on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, be unstoppable. Unstoppable. unstoppable.